This podcast and its parent website are supported by its listeners and readers. If you enjoy what you hear and read at Write or Die, please consider supporting our continued creation at patreon.com slash write or die. Welcome to the Write or Die podcast, featuring your hosts, Andrew Michael Spence Boyd, Chris Willis, and Nathan Mackey. Enjoy the show. Shout out, I get that from my buddy Tyler. Yeah. Yeah, we know. Uh, <laughs> it rubs in the wrong way. It rubs yeah. the fine yeah, thing. We rubs know. Be your own person. Yeah, we know. Audible eye roll. Audible eye roll. I want you to be your own person. <laughs> oh, man. That's offensive. Well, you you know what? This episode's it's coming in hot. It. Yeah, we're coming in hot. Scrap it. All right. Yeah, scrap, scrap this whole thing. <laughs> we did 30 minutes of pre show. That's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, let's jump into the, the beer of the show then. Um, that awkward pause brought to you by this week's beer of the show, uh, the October Fiesta. Play on words. Um, it's uh, from Freetail Brewery out of San Antonio. I guess. Wait, is it a play on words? I mean, sort of. Yeah. Like Oktoberfest, October. Oh, Fiesta. yeah. yeah okay. Free so, your mind and your tail will follow. Ah, they're just that going that off, like, what does that mean? Well, isn't it like a, based isn't on, that like an invoke song? Is it? Uh, yeah, I think like free your mind. Based on song. the fall. Well, yeah, it's also the Matrix. <laughs> or getting reference, but no, it's invoke. <laughs> based it on could, the fall classic, brewed with free your mind and the rest will follow. Sorry, that's <laughs> it's from invokes free your mind. Oh, uh, read read that. Oh, there you are. Interrupted you. Uh, I based on the fall classic. Brewed with Bavarian malts and hops, but fermented with a festive top fermenting yeast strain. Yeah, it's all very technical. It's all very technical. There's a technical on their can. I tasted it. They're from San Antonio, yes? Yes. Yeah. So San Antonio, they got the, it's a. Go ahead. They got the, the Sugar Skull Maiden with the Beard Maiden with the, with the Steins. Yeah, there's a. a it's like a. Texas a it's like a. It's like a. Oh, ger- okay. It's like a German. Um, Latin fusion. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the other side, there's the gentleman, and he's oh, from look Texas. At oh, that's cool. The yeah, Texas, Texas Stein. Texas Stein. Uh-huh. I I dig it. I like this a lot. I I like Oktoberfest. I like like uh, pumpkiny beers and stuff like that. I like the fall flavored beers. Uh, 
And this one's really good. It goes down smooth. Mm -hmm. I like it a lot. Freetail hasn't done wrong for us so far. Yeah, this uh, second appearance. <clears throat> There's a certain type of beer that tastes best when it's like ridiculously hot outside, and then there's a different type of beer that tastes best when it's, it's cold. When there's just a little snap in the air, yeah. Yeah. A little cold snap. And we have a cold snap coming. It's going to be like 40 degrees. Oh, do you? Yes. It's going to be super cold tomorrow. 40 uh, degrees. Through the weekend. And that's, oh, yeah. It's going to be like 60 something. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. I was going to go kayaking. Oh, you'll be fine. It's perfect. Oh, it's after kayaking. Just don't, just don't touch the water. Freeze instantly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. Usually dude, water freezes at 32. Listen, the yeah. water too you know, easily be like 60 something. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. You won't even feel it. You I'm won't even know you're in the water. In. Uh, so I wanted to say real quick from their website this pairs well with many meals, including smoked foods, guacamole, bratwurst, emen, emmentaler, which I had to look up is um, a yellow cheese. It's a medium hard Swiss cheese. Huh. Uh, that originated in the area around Emmental, Canton, Bern. So I'm sure I'm just murdering all of that. Last one is good company. Uh, so cheers. Cheers. Oh, I see. I get yeah, it. I probably as well with good company. I, I get it, yeah. Um, yeah, these guys are good. Freetail from San, San Antonio, yeah? Shout out to Freetail. We should move them up here. Boston. Truck them in. Truck them in. Um, cool. Yeah, this is the beer of the show. Expensive. Oh, yes. Yeah, Worth it. Worth it. Sorry, I was taking a swig of my uh, of my free tail there. Um, so moment. tonight we're we're gonna kind of be a little bit on theme, uh, given that Halloween is just around the corner. We're gonna discuss lots of different things, kind of related to horror and spookiness and maybe not Halloween per se. What what was that? Um, and we're just gonna talk about all sorts of stuff relating to that. Um, things that really creep us out, movies, music, soundtracks, things like that. Art. Art, yeah. All, all run the gamut. All things. But uh, of course, as is custom, mm -hmm. we're going to start out with our top of the moment. Nate, go for it. Uh, my top of the moment, so we'll get to the spooky after. Uh, my top of the moment comes to us from uh, RushmoreAcademy.com. Uh, it's a website where if you're a Wes Anderson fan... Um, you can go and you can get uh, uh, you can get the, the scripts. You can get soundtracks. Uh, that was one thing that really attracted me to it was the scripts because um, I, I love reading scripts. Um, so you can go and you can read. Right now, he's got everything from Bottle Rocket all the way up to um, Moonrise Kingdom. And you just go in, you click it, and you just immediately start reading the script. Um, oh, which, if you're like me, that's my style. Uh, but they've got news, posts, um, store where they get the music, the films, the books, all things Wes Anderson. The RushmoreAcademy.com, or excuse me, RushmoreAcademy.com huh. is going to be your place to go. There's even blankets, um, all kinds of things. That's cool. Yeah, they also have a section on there um, under on a, on the the top menu there called AV Club, and if you go to that, um, it has these videos um, that are. Uh, Companions to Matt Zoller's Lights, uh, the Wes Anderson collection, and Matt Zoller's Lights uh, writes for RogerDeaver.com. And I've watched these, and I didn't know that they were on here. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I used to watch these a lot, and they're really good. They're just uh, video essays, and they're just about each. Film. They're from a book that he wrote, and mm -hmm. they have like a it, it's attached to video, and, and it's got like 
you know, I think it's got scenes and stuff, and it's got, like, art and, and things. And it's really cool, and I would highly recommend watching these videos, too. Yeah, they've got uh, everything up to Grand, Grand Budapest. Budapest. They, have, they have everything that he's done, because whatchamacallit hasn't been released yet. Yeah. Dog's Day Out. Or what, what is it called? <laughs> Dunstan checks in. Mm-hmm. Um, Isle of Dogs. Oh, okay. Isle of Dogs. Uh, but, yeah, so, it, and going back to... Um, Going back to uh, the um, scripts, they have they don't have uh, I don't know just, like they don't have Grand Budapest Hotel quite yet. Oh really? So they've got up to like I said Moonrise Kingdom. Oh okay. Of, uh, just a script, but yeah, that's a uh, one that. I oh, just the script you're talking about? Yeah, just oh, for the scripts, they've got everything from Bottle Rocket on okay. to uh, um, Moonrise Kingdom. But yeah, when is the when is his new film due out? Uh, I don't know if it's been announced. Let me. Yeah, I haven't released it yet. I mean, I know that the trailer was great. Um, it's really interesting to watch a Wes Anderson trailer. Yeah. And that it doesn't really break the rules. Well, not break the rules, but it doesn't really seem to kind of fit into the. You know, we talk a lot. We've we have talked a lot about trailer abstention, mm. and I don't really feel like I need to do that with a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, I feel he, the need. He doesn't. He doesn't spoil it too yeah. much. Like Grand Budapest Hotel yeah. was probably for me at least one of the ones that had the most like spoilers. giveaway. Not yeah. spoilers, but like the most of the like plot. Yeah. In it. And even then it didn't feel like it was. Yeah, too no. Much. It's like it's almost nice. But I think that that's true of a lot of our tours where they're they're kinda like, you know, come Yeah. Come watch it because like yeah, I am you yeah. like that guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I looked it up March twenty third. Oh. 2018. Oh, okay. The release. Of 2018. I figured it was so 2018. Like four years yeah. 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 Animated claymation stuff takes a long time. It does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, like just a quick, quick hitters. You, you don't have to search them all out, and you can uh, sign up for their community as well. It looks like uh, where you can have a profile. And you can oh, they have like with, forums and stuff. Yeah, with other what what would you call them? Anderson files, uh, <laughs> West files. Yeah, nerds, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the Rushmore Academy. Cool. Yeah. So uh, the the film element of that leads into mine as well. Uh, mine has a, a Halloween tint to it. Uh, big fan of, as you, everybody knows, big fan of lists. Uh, but I really like the Cinefix movie lists videos that are on that are available on YouTube. For my money, it's the best list videos that they have, especially focused on film. Yeah. Um, love those video series. I think they, it, they're very high quality. They dig deep into, um, you know, all sorts of different like aspects of film and all sorts of different films, things that you probably, you know, uh, if you've only scratched the surface of a foreign cinema and auteur cinema and art house cinema that you, you are going to learn about, you know? They just did, they just released at the end of October, the last video of October, they just released their top five horror films. Um, and what they did with that video was something I really enjoyed. And we watched a little bit of it earlier, mm-hmm. so you guys are familiar with it. But what they do is they set out immediately with their 
actual top five and then a bunch of honorable mentions and then they just say like you know you've seen a bunch of these things we're not going to just hit you over the head we could just like have another list and yeah. do it in two minutes and tell you these are what they are and like we'll get on our day or we could have an alternate universe list where all those other movies weren't made and instead we build our top five horror films based off of this the same slotted ones so number five so their first one that they talk about, it's not their, their like best one. The first one they talk about is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So they find um, another movie that fits into that same, has those same like beats. Mm. Yeah, And it's, uh, so that one is Blood and Black Lace. I'm just going to read them out. You should still go watch it because they break down things and they talk highly into it. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre was their actual number one. Then they went, went with Blood and Black Lace, which is a... Um, Italian Gallo film. Uh, number two was Alien, and they replaced that with... So Alien, my favorite movie, and they replaced that with probably my like second or third favorite horror movie, The Descent. And then Science of the Lambs is replaced by Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. The Shining is replaced by The Innocence, and Psycho is replaced by Peeping Tom. So, big fan of these lists, not only for the education that you can derive from them, but the fact that they switched it up that they changed the format, that they didn't just tell you, yeah. like, the same things. And they, they really try to, like, share and explain some other yeah. aspects of I it. I mean, for, for somebody like me who is not a horror aficionado, and we'll probably get into this a little, a little later, it's probably the genre that I've paid the least amount of attention to in my adult life. Like, I don't think I know any of those. And so it's cool to have a, a, a big name like Cinefix um, yeah. giving me stuff like that that I probably otherwise and they, wouldn't have been exposed to. And and so these alternate ones that I mentioned, Blood, Black, Lace, The Descent, Henry, Portrait of Serial Killer, The Innocence, and Peeping Tom, only two of those are from post-1990, I think. Really? Which is The Descent and Henry, Portrait of Serial Killer. I think Blood and Black Lace might be from the 70s. The Innocence and Peeping Tom are both from like the 60s. Oh, wow. Good. Yeah. So Peeping Tom was released the same year as Psycho. And it's a famous, like, British one. So these ones, they are still noted. Like, I'm surprised that Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer is on there. Uh, but, like, Peeping Tom, not surprised. Peeping Tom is one of those ones that's, like, been talked about for so long. Especially during the years of, like, the Hayes Code when movies had that, like, still had that um, strict censorship that they couldn't do. Peeping Tom really pushed it. It was also a British film, so it didn't have the same sort of things that American films had. So yeah. They were pushing boundaries a lot. Yeah. So to, to piggyback off what you said and to go back to uh, Cinefix, um, what I also like about them is, because uh, there, there's other list shows that, like on YouTube, list channels that we watch, like um, Every Frame of Painting. Oh, okay. well, every Frame of Painting. Lists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he kind of died. It's like a video Spell. essay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Every Frame of Painting and then also... Um, Nerdwriter. Yeah, Nerdwriter. And then AMSB Mission Watch Mojo. Um, this one, it just seems more intellectual and like you spend more time. I mean, we like the others and we'll watch the others as well. But this one, when you sit down, you really, you, you tune in because yeah. you know you're going to get some information. It's different. I love Nerdwriter and Every Frame of Painting because they are, they are more of the video essay. So it's like, they dive into like an aspect of a film. Yeah. So like I, the most recent nerd writer that I watched was on the David Fincher's um, 
style of directing yeah, yeah, yeah. coming from the mind mind hunter, mm-hmm. which I also watched and could have been one of my top of the moments. Um, and so he dives deep into that one aspect of David Fincher. I think he might have had one at least every maybe every frame of painting did, but uh, so they dive really deep into to minor things. Whereas Cinefix does the the whole. What I like so much about it is they they really embrace the whole like listicle BuzzFeed thing that everybody mm-hmm. does, but they put they like mesh that idea onto the the new list fad. Yeah, and so like that's why they're so it's easily digestible. They do the list thing that like people, you know, we make fun of me for loving lists so much, but like <laughs> people love lists, and so like they're able to do that in a more educational way that's not just like watch mojo really yeah yeah whoa that's probably at the bottom yeah. it's just uh, mindless watching but also I mean even the fact sorry even the fact that that like I mean again I'm not at a horror aficionado but just the fact that they list a bunch of films that I don't really know that that separates them from me. yeah they do have a tendency, though, to... And they they poke fun at themselves every time. Or after a while, they started poking fun at themselves. But there's this m- movie, and I can't remember the director. I don't think it's Tchaikovsky, but uh, it's called The Mirror. Uh, and it might be either Russian or Eastern European. I've never seen it, and I had really never really heard of it before this Cinefix. But they, they have that, like, all the time. Like, I feel like I've seen that movie because they, like, break down things in that scene all the time. Any, like, any list that it can possibly fit into, they'll fit it. They'll fit it into it. And and they're like, oh, you thought we weren't going to have Zamir. Here we go. Or, like, one where they have, like, a top ten where they're like, oh, you thought you got the only bit of Zamir, but, you know, here's, like, number two, and we're going to talk about Zamir again. Uh, So, so they do kind of do that, but they it's, like, cheeky, and they know, and it's just, like, a movie that they all really love, and so they, like, can't help but, like, you know, fight for it and think that it's, like, the best thing. Jam it in. But uh, what I was going to say is what I really like about Cinefix also is that even if they do have a list, like, I, I don't think that this list, we didn't watch all of this uh, video, but I don't think that this list is in actual order. It, I think these are just, like, our top five. So I think that it, like, sometimes they make a point of it being not in order. Yeah. Um... This one, I think, at least the first real list that they say is in order. I think that they think the number one horror movie is Psycho. Yeah. And the number two is The Shining and Three, Signs of the Lambs, and then Alien and Texas Chainsaw Massacre is five. I believe that. The alternate ones that they did, I don't know if, that, if that's necessarily in order to them, but yeah. it's kind of just fitting it into those things. And they, they tweak it. And some, yeah, sometimes it's not in order. It's just like, here's three things. Yeah. Um, but... Oh. Some of them, like, uh, we watched one recently, Chris, where they did, like, color theory or, like, yeah. color scheme, and they didn't have, like, the best, the, the the film with the best color usage. They had different, like, every film Elements. that they featured, yeah, was, like, the top oh, of its yeah. game for that element. Yeah. So what they did is they broke it for each, and we're getting, to tie it into what's next, we're getting to Inside Baseball, but, uh, where we literally will be getting Inside Baseball. Uh but the way that they broke it, though that list down was they were like, okay, this movie focuses on a color pattern that's very complementary, and so they'll show it, and then they'll show a movie that has a complementary one. But then they have a one that's like, uh, you know, uncomplimentary or whatever, yeah. like the opposite is, or like harder, weirder. 
uh, ones are ones that are like two tones specifically, and like this one has a this one uses its color beautifully, but it only right. uses two tones, and so like they have a whole number seven is like <coughs> they're looking at all the movies that use two tones, and they'll talk about all of them, and they're like, but you can't beat this one, and then that's like their number seven, so it feels like it's not in order, yeah. So like they can kind of get away from it, mm-hmm. yeah. Inside baseball. But hey, I set you up. You did. Yeah, I'm going to take a, a page out of your book. Right down the pipe. Bruce Willis book and, and risk alienating our audience by talking about sports. <laughs> but um, since it is top of the moment, I, I have to talk about the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, we've dabbled a little bit in baseball talk uh, before in our recorded history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Here, not seen, not heard. <laughs> right. But we have. Um, we have but we have. Um, uh, my favorite team from when I was a little kid and all the way up until now, uh, the Houston Astros are playing in the World Series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, it's been a, a crazy season, uh, a historic season for the Houston Astros, and uh, it's all sort of, the tension is heightened a little bit because in 2014, uh, a sports, uh, excuse me, a writer for Sports Illustrated had a cover story uh, that featured a, a uh, young up-and-coming player in the Astros system uh, named George Springer, and it was a, just a picture of him, you know, swinging the bat, and it said, the Houston Astros, your 2017 World Series champions. And so, uh, and it, the, the article was all about all these different methods that the organization was using to, to essentially completely rebuild the, the organization. And, uh, it's kind of uh, spooky because it's it's we're in 2017 and there's a prophecy to be fulfilled. Um, and uh, yeah, and and in particular, the top of the the moment part of the top of the moment was last night was a, a an extra innings, crazy kind of instant classic as they say game. It really was um, eleven innings, like three or four lead changes, and after the eighth inning, yeah, um, and uh, well, not lead changes, but tied. Ties, ties, yeah. Um, it was just just as a, a record that asked or like a account. The Astros, who were the visiting team in the top of the inning, uh, were down three uh, one. They got a run back in the eighth, and they got another run back in the ninth. So it was three three. Uh, goes to the tenth inning. They hit two back to back home runs, five three, almost insurmountable. The Dodgers come back and get two runs in the bottom of the tenth. Yeah, goes to the top of the eleventh. Uh, George Springer hits. Does he hit a two-run run shot? Run, yeah. He hits a two-run home run. Uh, then it flips back, and you're like, they're not going to get back back from this. And then uh, somebody hits another home run, and yeah. it's all of a sudden. Oh no! Was, I think it was Marwin Gonzalez hit the initial two-run, and then George George Springer hit the last one. I think. Oh okay. Yeah. But then <clears throat> then uh, a Dodgers player hit a home run yeah. at the bottom of the eleventh to make it be like it can go. It can just yeah. the pendulum can swing right back. Yeah. It ended up being a one-run game, one-run yeah. victory, and it probably shouldn't have. But I think you know, they really ratcheted everything up. They did. Um, I I don't know. It's it's a tough, it's a tough thing to talk about um, in the context of Ride or Die because again, you know, we don't usually talk about sports too much. But um, it's it's really special. Chris, last year you had one of your the Cubs, of, yeah, yeah, the Cubs won the World Series for the first time, and there's a whole backstory time. about that. Third time. Sorry, yeah. I mean, the first Don't time. Don't have those first time since... Back-to-back champs, 07-08. <laughs> 07-08 of the previous... Of 1900. <laughs> yeah. um, 
But yeah, I, last year was a historic season um, for the Chicago Cubs, and hopefully it's going to be a historic season for the Houston Astros. In case you're wondering, Houston Astros have been in the um, World Series one other time. They were completely swept by the Chicago White Sox. Which sucks. In five they games. So last night was the first time that they had ever won a World Series game. Um, that was part of the history. And uh, what was the home run stat? It was eight. Eight, eight, eight home runs. Most home runs in a single World Series game. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff. And so now the series goes back to uh, Los Angeles has the home field advantage. So we play, there's uh, been two games in Los Angeles. And now there will be three in Houston starting tomorrow night. And then they'll go, if necessary, back to uh, Los Angeles for the last two games. It's a seven-game series. Best of seven. And, uh, yeah, it's just a really exciting time. Um, it's uh, there, there isn't really anything quite like October baseball in sports, uh, particularly the fall classic. Yeah. It is, it's, the last couple of years have, have produced some, some great series, some great games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, maybe could it be more than three? Because three years ago it was the Royals and the Giants, right? Or who was yes. it? Yes. Are you talking about 2015? Yeah. Yeah, it was the Royals and it was the Giants, was it? And the Royals won. Yes, the Royals won. Um, yeah, so there's we just been some really good series. I think that one went to seven too, didn't it? Yeah, I think it did. Um, so two of them have gone. The last two have gone to seven. And, yeah, and, you know that would be a really exciting thing. Yeah. Also, I know that you're hoping that the Astros just win three straight games. I do. I very much hope that. I mean, if you if you've ever been like peripherally interested in baseball, now is an excellent time to start watching. It's yeah. 2017 has been a crazy year and. These two teams, I mean, this this was the matchup that Vegas was predicting at the All-Star break. I yeah. Mean, it, ev- almost everybody was pretty sold on, or, or they were at least betting, their betting odds were going towards Los Angeles and Houston being the teams in the World Series. And that's happened, and uh, it's just, it's really good time to, to watch baseball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. So let's get into it, Nate. You got a, you got a pitch for us? pitch <laughs> I don't think I have a pitch but uh, one that I really wanted to touch on because I think uh, getting back to the main topic of the show Halloween and all things spooky um, one thing that I think we may and we have historically kind of swept into the rug because we get swept we, you know we get uh, more invested in other things is our video games um, so real quick to, before we jump into that though the origin of Halloween I don't know if you know this Amos B based on last week's episode you may find this interesting. Oh, okay. Uh, ancient origins of Halloween. Halloween's origins date back to the ancient Celtic festival yeah. of Samhain. So it's, oh, it, I didn't know that. it's pronounced Samhain, but it's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Um, <laughs> the Celts, who lived 2,000 years ago in the area that is now Ireland, the United Kingdom, and Northern France, celebrated their new year on November 1st. So Halloween's essentially... All Hallows Eve. Yes. All Hallows Eve. It's essentially... Uh, New Year's Eve, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so one thing that, that uh, I wanted to touch on before we like jump into like anything else that we could just go on and on for forever about our video games. Um, to me, I don't know if you guys have ever played it, but to me, the um, <laughs> it's a call to arms. Uh, to me, the video game, the, the uh, Silent Hill oh, video game, yeah, the, yeah. the short one that just that came out a couple of years ago uh, for download is free. Uh-huh. That have you guys played that? I haven't. I haven't. I've watched people play. It. Yeah, so and that's about as all all you can do. Right? I think um, of the different 
forms of art and mediums that are scary or that are intended to scare mm-hmm. and be spooky and, and jumpy and things. Uh, video games are the one that I I can almost not handle. Right. Like, I, it's like the one thing where like like because I can sit through a scary movie or whatever. And again, I we and we'll talk again. I'm not big, super big into horror movies. At least I haven't been uh, historically. But like. If I even I do it even with non horror games. So when I sit down and I try and play a horror game, it's just like incredibly. I could like the Resident Evils and like yeah. I don't know if you saw the most recent Resident Evil. Like that one was super spooky. Oh, the the one with the VR or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And um, the uh, there was a game called Amnesia. Oh, several yeah, Amnesia years ago. Is supposed to be crazy. And yeah. like even the trailer for that game just like gave me the willies. And I I don't I don't know why. I think it's because so <laughs> similar. I feel, I feel, uh, I feel the same way. Um, I got really, I you know, I say every time and every time I come to bring it up, I'm like, it's my favorite thing. Uh, I'm obsessed with it. Uh, I'm holding an alien right now. But uh, is Alien Isolation? That video game oh, got yeah, super yeah, yeah. psyched on it because it was part of the series. Yeah. And the video game previous to that, that was part of the Alien thing, which not yeah, really yeah. was Alien like Space Marines or whatever. <laughs> It was terrible. Yeah. One of like the worst games ever. Well, I got super psyched on the Alien Isolation. Yeah, it was terrifying. And it was terrifying. <laughs> and so like, I couldn't, like, at one point it was like, hey, you gotta go in here with this little flashlight, but it's all dark. And like, you don't know when the alien's gonna pop out or anything like that. It's like all dark, and it's like telling me to go in there, and I'm like, no. I <laughs> would I? And I stopped. And I haven't picked it up since then because I was just like, no, I'm not going in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing is there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think... Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, yeah, I think... It, I mean, it, it probably has something to do with the fact that you're supposed to be sort of inhabiting that character. And, like, yeah. it's... And, and most of the ones that I've done are, like, from a first-person perspective. And so it's, like, you're... Yeah. It feels like you're... It more yeah. feels like you're there and, like, you're in... And in other art forms, you don't control the pace at right. all. Yeah, yeah, Like, you don't have a choice. You can stop reading a book, but, like... Yeah, I can just press you can't, pause anytime yeah, I Yeah, you can't decide when to go in somewhere yeah, or, yeah. like, to not go in somewhere to do something differently. Yeah, in a horror game, you could, like, just not do it. And then, like, just, like, keep walking around and, like, in a safe spot. Yeah. Like, whatever. <laughs> Um, and you have to make those decisions. Yeah. Yeah. What was that, Chris? What was that uh, Twitch streamer that we watched oh. and he played? Um, uh, it's our it's our guy. I forgot his name. There. No. Oh, Tim. 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 Yeah. Tim. Tim. He he was playing one, and that we I don't remember what he was playing. It was weird, but it was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It was scary and it was weird. Yeah. I watched I watched Lyric play the newest Resident Evil, and that was just like I like. I had to like duck it. I, like I stopped watching it and I'd come back like ten minutes later. Yeah, man, his is a that wasn't as bad because it's like it's lyric. And it's yeah, fairly. There was a lot of levity in the yeah. situation. But like, <laughs> well, Tim and Tatman had to play with like a stuffed animal under his like, <laughs> neck, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tucked in his cranny. Yeah, um, but so video games. Yeah, well, I I, I agree with you, Amos. Be like you're in there. In that, like, you're that character, especially with the first person yeah. um, video game. But I, I especially wanted to call out Silent Hill. It, it's called Silent Hill PT, which I just learned stands for Playable Teaser. Because uh, uh, they were supposed to be like another oh, the Silent new one Hill. Oh, uh, 
with what's his name on it? Norman Reedus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're supposed to be that one, and it was by one of my favorite video game creators, uh, Hideo Kojima, who did oh. Metal Gear Solid. Uh, but he he also did PT, so check that out because I don't think we're going to be getting no, uh, Silent that, Hill. Yeah. No, he's like working on something else now. Yeah, he's yeah, working on that thing with the. Well, it's again like Norman Reedus again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a different. It's a it's different, different game. Yeah. game, yeah. And it's got Matt Mickelson. That's in it. what I'm doing. Ooh, oh shoot! I should put this on our list of things to talk about. <laughs> I will later. Should but maybe we just go now. <laughs> oh, okay. So like maybe we could trans. We can jump into the world of film and television. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about. We have some stuff down here that we want to talk about, like books and art, and I do want to talk about yep. those things definitely. Uh, but talking about. Speaking of Mads Mikkelsen, one of the things that scared me the most that I had to like stop was uh, Hannibal, the, oh, yeah. the NBC I show. I forgot about that show. Yeah, that Mad Mad Mikkelsen yeah, is, yeah. is, is uh, Hannibal in it. That scared the living crap out of me at <laughs> some points. Like, uh, oh man, I can't even explain it. But like, there was there was some scene, and I think you know it was just. Everything was crafted so well to, like, creep you out and, like, in some senses just outright scare you. Uh, I think that that was, like, an amazingly done television show that was unfortunately canceled, probably because I got scared and had to stop watching it. <laughs> that's that's impressive, though, that, like, a, a network, television, a network television yeah. particularly network television, like, a, like yeah. one of the big networks is able to pull that off. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's a very violent show and a very grotesque show. So kind of surprising that yeah, a network television show can go into the depths. Yeah, because you would you, you think that's safe for like premium cable yeah. or like uh, you know maybe your FXs or something like yeah. that. But if if you if you listeners if you've seen Hannibal if you've watched that series, uh, I don't know if you guys have watched it at all. I've I've always wanted to. And I just but forget there's this episode where a girl like. She can't see faces or something like that. And she, like, hid under somebody's bed. And as they were, like, going to go to bed, they, like, you know, came out and they, like, checked, like, for things and blah, 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 blah. And they go back to their bed. And she just straight grabs them from underneath the bed and, like, pulls them in. And all of a sudden, it's just blood everywhere. And I was just like, (laughs) no. That's so freaky. (laughs) I couldn't handle it. It was so creepily done too. Yeah, I had a similar situation. It was her height. It was like a root or her friend or something. It was like she couldn't see faces anymore, so she did it to her like best friend. Yeah, <laughs> I had a similar situation with um, American Horror Story. I think it was the first season. I'm glad that you mentioned American Horror Story. Yeah, because uh, if you don't know American Horror Story, every season it's the same like cast, right? right? More or um, less, yeah. Yeah, uh, the same like main cast, but just playing different characters. Yeah, so every season it's a different setting and they're different characters. Um, so I, the first season was like haunted mansion or whatever, and that yeah, that it was, was like a haunted house thing. Yeah, yeah the, I I just saw with one of my uh, former roommates. I just saw one scene uh, with the basement, and I, I don't know the context or anything like that, but there was just a, a scary something or other in the basement. And ever since then, I was just like, nope. Yeah, th- that's not for me. I was, like, super into American Horror Story mm-hmm. for a while. That first season was outstanding. And the title sequence for that season is probably one of the creepiest things I can think of. I, yeah. I, I, there's something about that, the score for that, that title song and the, and the, the imagery. And it 
that is actually one of the I, I tend to criticize American Horror Story because I think I haven't seen all of the seasons, but some of them that I've seen, I, it's probably like 50-50. Some of them I've seen kind of feel like a little hokey and just not very scary at all. Yeah. Um, but the title sequence for every series, uh, season that I've seen has been genuinely creepy. Mm. And they just do a phenomenal job on that. And like, I used to love, love, love. It was weird. I was creeped out by it, but I loved watching the title sequence. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, it, it is, I think, impressive as of late, of, of what television is able to do through the, through the horror genre now. Yeah. And I think that that leads well into, let's skip over movies real quick, but I think that that leads well into some of the stuff that we're going to say about music. Mm. Because music has always kind of been, I think that it, it, with the, the, the influence of new and more creepy instruments and stuff, music that kind of like really hits a scary note is becoming more prevalent now than it has before. Uh, so I know that, Nate, you have some stuff that you wanted to talk about with creepy music. Yeah, so I wrote a, a short story um, a couple of months ago, and in order to get myself in the headspace of the context of the short story, um, I put together, I compiled the list of... Uh, spooky classical or, you know, dark tone classical songs on Spotify. And uh, a couple that I really wanted to call out specifically was um, Anthony Hopkins. Most people, including the two in this room, thought that Anthony Hopkins didn't do any of the music for Hannibal. Um, but he's actually a celebrated com composer. Um, no, I had no idea. Not just for scary, <laughs> scary songs. But uh, so I just wanted to play a little bit of um, a few songs from Hannibal, so he did a couple of the songs on... on no, this is Hannibal, the second the film. The, yeah, the film. Yeah, the film. Not the show. yeah, not the show. Um, and, and just... I don't know, the, the power of music, I think, is exactly... Like, video games can scare us, and, and you know, moments in TV and film can scare us, but I, I, think, I don't think there's anything more terrifying than a scary song that can kind of pull you in. I don't know if you guys will agree, but uh, let me just play it. This one, it's called, it's, it's Italian, I believe, but it's Vide Cor Mium, Vide Cor Mium, uh, Anthony Hopkins composing. And then this one, uh, titled Dear Clarice, which I think is going to be a little more um, ominous. ominous. I'm actually going to skip ahead. Imagine your daddy being shamed by your disgrace. So he does a monologue over it. Pine bumps crushed by your failure. A sorry, petty end of a promising career. What is worse than Now she's not. Oh, she is in this. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, Julianne Moore. Yeah, yeah. 
instead of when they switched it. Yeah, Joey Foster. Joey Foster. Say clear days. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's right. That's right. Because I was like, she's not even in that movie. Yeah. But uh, there's just and this this is a whole uh, two two and a half hour um, uh, playlist that I've compiled of just various songs. Johnny Greenwood um, from he's actually from Radiohead. I think he's the guitarist from Radiohead. Uh, he oh, yeah. yeah he got into to composing. And if you've ever seen uh, There Will Be Blood or The Master, he's worked with Paul Thomas Anderson uh, quite a few times, but he does the music for him, and I just think it's phenomenal. Uh, one that I really want to play was uh, Henry Plainview from There Will Be Blood, which, if you've seen the movie, is like I think it's the first, it's the opening scene song. Yeah, usually in these soundtracks, they have them like ordered out. Is that is it like the first song? Just that guitar, that long. expansive a background as somebody like Chris, but like the, the longer I've been kind of a bit of a film nerd, the more I've just appreciated scores, and especially in something like horror, like it's just no, no comparison for elements of the film that like kind of put you in the moment. The one, one of the ones that always stuck out to me, and I'm sure we've talked about it before, but there's, there's a, and I wish I would have looked it up. I, I didn't. It didn't occur to me until just now. Uh, there's a particular set of measures in in the Dark Knight uh, score, the Hans Zimmer score, that I find very, very creepy. And it's like a string, like kind of a fast string stuff. Maybe I'll try and pull it up. But that's been that was always real creepy to me. Yeah, we talked uh, on this show actually a couple episodes ago about uh, that. It's probably not the same, um, the same, uh, the same composition. But it's something that Hans Zimmer and, and most composers use, where it gives the and that he used it because we oh, talked yeah. about it on and, we uh, did uh, Dunkirk. Dunkirk, yeah, where it just gives that that impression of. A rising score, right? right? Yeah. Uh, but it and never actually, never, like, it never yeah, it never yeah. gets to the top, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it always feels, it always sounds like it's rising. Um, well, this is an interesting that you chose because I, the way I view it is, is soundtracks and scores are a little bit different than just like regular music because it's built on a completely separate piece of art and like putting them together. They certainly, it certainly stands alone as creepy. If you're going to listen to a soundtrack, there's going to be you're still going to feel weird. Like if you listen to the it follows soundtrack, like you're going to have this sense of like paranoia overwhelming you. And like it feels, it puts you on edge. What I was interested in finding was more of the, like 
not mainstream music because Swans, who I'm going to talk about, is not a mainstream band by any means. They're like a weird noise. I, I don't know even how to explain it. Like a noise rock band. Boston Dome? No, they're not from Austin. They're from New York. Oh. <laughs> uh, but they they have some stuff that just generally creeps me out. And it's, it's, it's a lot of their stuff. I'm speaking specifically about the album, The Seer. And what I'm going to play just a, a, a slight snippet of is the 32-minute magnum opus of this album uh, that comes four songs in uh, called The Seer, self-titled. Uh, this album itself is two hours long. So it feels like a soundtrack to a movie. But it is... It, it's some creepy stuff, and I'll jump around for some other stuff just because it's. But this is the opening that just sounds like screeching, like somebody is like doing that. So it sounds very much like a movie soundtrack, but it's also just like an album that you can just like put on playing your car. That's what you're supposed to do. So it opens with that. And then it just gets to this more jangle stuff that really feels like. And it opens up. But it just feels like you're kind of like overwhelmed with this these creepy loud noises, almost as if you're walking through like a haunted house, like one of those industrial like a, imagine like you're in the city and it's an industrial building that like uh you a church youth group has like put together and it's like they're just banging loud shit yeah. at you and like it's it's weird and it's creepy and i remember the first time i listened to this i swans has a huge discography hmm. um but i i had never listened to them before i i tried the seer it came out in 2012 and i started and i listened to the first time maybe in like 2014 2015 uh and all their stuff kind of has that feeling to it there's a lot more of of their songs you know even on the seer itself that uh has more of a typical typical approach to it Mm. where you could listen to it and be like this is just like a six minute song uh, and then you get those 32-minute slog of just, like, craziness, craziness mm-hmm. that just hits you. And it's, hard, and it's hard to, like, it's hard to listen to sometimes. Just listen to it straight through. Yeah. So I think it's pretty interesting when bands can successfully do that. There's another artist that I think, uh, it's, I think you pronounce her name, Pharmacon. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, like, kind of like a noise rocker that has, like, a vibe. Yeah, so I think. Do you have any? Do you have any other music guys we want to talk about? Uh, I was thinking, if, if you're done, MSB with music, I was thinking uh, it can still take us to potentially our next, um, or get us into film and TV. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of Survive, the awesome band that did the opening scene or the opening scene, the opening theme to uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. Oh yeah. Stranger I Things. I forgot about that. Coming out uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow in a couple of hours. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys are excited about it. I'm guys, extremely excited. Yeah. 
I'm. I think we talked about it on the show. Yeah. You are extremely excited about Stranger Things. Yeah, I am. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm lukewarm. Well, yeah. Okay, so we we talked about how like it's not. I don't view Stranger Things as like this sort of transformative, like amazing, like it's unbelievable, uh, like show. It's just really good and it's solid. Yeah. Like, so I'm excited to. I really enjoyed the first season, and I'll really probably hopefully really enjoy the second season. Are you really excited for it? Uh, I'm similar to you, Luke. Oh, okay. I mean, I'll probably watch it just so that I know. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm maybe curious, but other than that, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> Stranger <laughs> Things. Fair enough. It. I don't really care. I think it's one. It's interesting because it's a not to get too far off topic. I mean, I don't think it's off topic, but like, uh, you know, people talk about. Game of Thrones being a cultural phenomenon, I feel like Stranger Things is probably the closest thing otherwise, as far as television shows. Maybe. that I know, and this is now kind of getting off topic. <laughs> the, the thing that made Game of Thrones, that keeps Game of Thrones in that like realm of being a cultural phenomenon, I believe is that it's still the, it's like the only show now that people watch when it week, came week out. to week, like yeah. almost like when it airs exactly. Sure, yeah. Um, but in terms of something, to talk that, about it. But Stranger Things is just going to come out, and you can watch, you know, at your own pace. You sure, yeah. I don't necessarily so. mean as it, but like a being like the world, yeah. the water cooler, yeah, uh, event. But yeah, just as far as like a, a, a thing that most people that you know or seem to be paying attention to, um, and that everybody kind of gravitates towards. I don't know. I feel like. It's kind of a close second. Yeah, it it's up there, and I think that like it's interesting. The next cultural, the next true like Game of Thrones cultural phenomenon, I think, will come from not from HBO. Yeah. Uh, it'll. I think it will probably come from Netflix or Netflix or Amazon or something. Yeah, your streaming services. Yeah. Um. So what other uh, TV shows. Uh, so we kind of talked about. We talked. Yeah, we hit on. We hit on a lot of TV stuff. TV stuff. Uh, what about film? Film. Yeah. So I, I wanted to sit, talk about how like I never really. Chris showed me um, and my now fiance a film a couple of years ago, and I've I've mentioned before that I've never really paid that close attention to the horror genre. I never had like any kind of disdain for it or anything like that. It just wasn't something that I gravitated towards. But uh, you had us watch It Follows yeah. uh, a couple of years ago. Maybe it wasn't that even that long ago, a year and a half ago or something. Um, and that kind of changed my complete, like, my attitude towards horror. Yeah. Um, that's a phenomenal film. And, like, I don't know, now I kind of see a horror-type movie and yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. let's do it. it uh, I used to just be like, people would be like, let's watch a scary movie. And I'd be like, eh, well, I'd rather just watch, like, yeah, but now I like now I'm into it. And uh, after, I don't know. I mean, it was kind of far removed from watching it follows. But uh, we watched The Witch, yeah, uh, the one with the two V's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and that was like a great, great movie. That and and like I probably would have never watched The Witch if I hadn't have watched yeah. It Follows. There's there's definitely I think a rise in the kind of in in the horror film that are like actually really good, and so. You know, one of the the ones that like really kicked it off is like it follows, and then you know it had the Babadook at the same time. Yeah, Babadook was another one, and then it led into like the Witch, and then after that we've had things like um, 
It comes at night. It comes at night. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, there's a bunch, there's a wealth of other ones. So, like, A Girl Walks Home at Night yeah. is an Iranian, like, horror film. Phenomenal. That's, that's very good. Um, and, you know, you could go into, like, you know, European stuff, and, and there's all of these ones that are just kind of, like, you know, not made by major studios, so don't adhere to the same sort of, they have the same horror tropes. Yeah. But they don't need to adhere to the same thing because they they don't they're not under the gun to be like mass money producing right. films. Whereas you're like Insidious X at all or whatever yeah. is is supposed to be. And so like they don't have to, you know, hit those same beats. Yeah, I think I think the interesting thing about that to me is um, one of the genres so I I was watching incidentally today uh, I watched the Red Letter Media review of It, the new yeah. It movie. Um, and one of the things they were talking about was how horror is a genre that consistently brings in money. Yeah. Really kind of no matter what the movie's about. Like it, it's completely agnostic of like what the what the subject matter is or anything yeah. like that. It's like, if it's marketed as a scary movie, people go see it and they usually make a lot of money. Um, or at least, you know, turn a profit. Yeah. And it's interesting that it's like the one genre where that's true. Where, like, no matter what, basically everybody goes and sees these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, you get a lot of these movies that are major studio and kind of have these, I would say, maybe... Um, Mainstream is maybe too general a word, but like, you know, a movie like It as opposed to a movie like uh, It Follows, where there's those horror tropes, the modern horror tropes of like jump scaring and like when the jump scare happens, like crazy noise sounds that are completely superfluous to the actual scare Mm -hmm. moment. It's just like unnecessarily loud. It's weird that like that stuff just keep I mean I mean I guess at some level that's what people are going to see but of any of the genres where you could think that a more indie hit like it follows um, like the witch like the Babadook would be able to make a kind of mainstream push I think it would be that one but yet you still see this sort of yeah kind of mainstream these tropes in all these films yeah I don't know it's interesting it is and and I like I mean I like that it's stretching it's stretching the genre it's pushing it to new places and eventually they're going to become mainstream too like the, yeah. the, the mainstream movies will adopt that it's just the nature of how things go and then we'll get something that's like counter to that yeah. Counter, yeah. yeah and we'll we'll find those new things yeah that is what's cool about horror movies I think that they're always a you know always evolving and they're like adopting and feeding off of each other more so than like any genre maybe yeah it, it also strikes me as a sort of parallel to uh we've talked before about how like just the difference between the, the sort of signal to noise ratio you have in modern day with like say music where there's great stuff out there but it can be kind of hard to find i think it's the same with horror like yeah. there's a lot of mainstream stuff that's like so so but there's also a lot of really great stuff it's just really hard to get to it yeah so what did, did you have some moments that you uh, that you wanted to point to as really impactful moments in film that that are 
quite terrifying to you? Uh, so I think, speaking of uh, It Follows, um, any moment where, it, and spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, any moment where the monster is just deadpan walking toward um, the victim or whatever, yeah. that's a scary moment, right? Um, a, another one is um, that really jumps to mind, which, and I don't even classify it as a horror movie, um, is Pan's Labyrinth, the mm-hmm. scene where um, she goes to... Um, I forget what she's there for, but she goes to the feast yeah. with the guy with the, the pale yeah, man, yeah, I think yeah, is what it's called. Is what they always call him, yeah, yeah uh, so she goes to the feast with the pale man, and um, she she was told not to take the food, not to take the food, so she takes a grape anyway, and he comes to life and chases her. That scene of her running down the hallway and him sort of slowly chasing after her, I think is probably one of the most uncomfortable moments uh, in film. Also, and say what you will say about him, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, I think his early work, I think is phenomenal. Um, the, the entire movie, or the entire runtime of uh, Sixth Sense is just meant to make you feel uncomfortable. Even normal interactions between people yeah. is just quiet yeah. and uncomfortable. That leads me into one of my favorite, one of, one of my favorite things, because M. Night Shyamalan, uh, M. Night Shyamalan The Village has a scene that pulls it off very well for me. Um, and one of the things that I find most terrifying in horror films is the anticipation. And so like with It Follows, it, that's that's really heavy. The, the moment I'm talking about specifically is when Joaquin Phoenix's character and Bryce Dallas Howard's character are sitting on the porch after one of the things comes out and there's like the alarm. And they're sitting in profile, talking to each other, having a conversation where they're both on camera. It's a two-shot of them in profile. And then in the background, it's just all fog. Yeah. And they're having this conversation, and, and you're just... The fog is alive. It's moving. You're just waiting for something to, to come out. Yeah, yeah. And it never does. Yeah. But that anticipation is the most terrifying, where I'm just like, I can't do it. Similarly... One of my other big ones is in The Shining itself, mm-hmm. when uh, Danny does the um, the uh, the Shining little thing to like reach out to Scatman Crothers, the uh, the yeah. the maintenance guy, the groundskeeper, yeah, groundskeeper Willie, yeah. When he when he does that, when he does the Shining to to get him and in. He's the maintenance guy's just sitting on his bed, like looking up, like feeling everything. You're just like, I just waited forever for him to be looking at something for us to see it, but we can't see what he sees. Like, you know, we get it from Danny's perspective. And and just the way that he just looked off screen, it just filled me with such like dread and anticipation. And does every single time that I watch it. Yeah. Same thing with uh, to to go off of that, same thing with uh, when Danny's riding the tricycle through the hallway yeah. and it's just quiet and all you can hear are the tires yeah. and you just know right around the corner it's real tight on him so right around the corner yeah, because you can't really see and they do it twice yeah. and the first time there's no payoff the second time is where you get the payoff That's where like, I think that also works to like ratchet up the dread but also kind of give you like a sense of like maybe nothing's going to happen but then something happens yeah. Yeah. there is a there, so to talk about Mindhunter which we kind of briefly talked about. Uh, there's a scene in there that 
really like made me so uncomfortable and like uh, like scared that something was going to happen. And it's just when one of the characters, for about an episode or two, goes downstairs to feed a stray cat by placing something, placing tuna in a window that's like slightly open in the like laundry room. And I just waited and waited. The way David Fincher, I don't know if he directed those episodes. I think he might have directed one. But the way that he had that camera like holding on that window and just the tenseness of it, I thought there was going to be like a hand or somebody was going to come through. And like that's not even what that show is, right? Like it's just kind of like a historical, like it does deal with serial killers and stuff, but... It's not a jump scare show. It's not a horror show. It's like a, you know, people is horror show. But I just like waited for something to come out of that window, and I just couldn't look at it. Like I was just so physically turned away. Those are the things that get me the most. Jump scares scare the crap out of me too. But there's there's something like I feel lesser. I'm kind of the same way. It's more of a suspense horror than a. Uh, so we're just about wrapping up. If you guys are good on film and TV, uh, we'll jump into art. Okay. Probably the most expansive of, of time frame. Well, maybe music too, because um, art goes dates way back. Yeah. Um, jumping through art, the scary art. Mine, if I could start off, is going to be kind of uh, tongue in cheek, but it's still like one that makes me uncomfortable, and yeah. by all accounts, is an art piece is going to be uh, Vigo the Carpathian from uh, from Ghostbusters. And if you aren't familiar with the uh, the painting, it's the painting from and I think I'm I, yeah uh, I don't remember the actor's name, but uh, it's one of the actors who plays or it's the actor obviously who plays the the, the character, and it's just a painting that was commissioned for the movie. And in my opinion, just the the face, the expression that he's making, the use of color, uh, the muted tones, it, everything about it is just horrifying to me. Yeah. And it made, when I was a child, when uh, Ghostbusters came out originally, and it just made me fear this movie uh, for no reason. It's supposed to be, not, it's, it's not necessarily a scary movie um, or intended to be a horror movie, but yeah. this, this changed it for me. Vigo the Carpathian. Yeah. Yeah. And it is set up to be that, but it is creepy. If that was hanging on a wall, I would be creeped out by it. Yeah. Um, so mine that I wanted to, to hit on is Henry Fuseli's The Nightmare. And I have a picture of it here for you guys. If I can just flip it around. Uh, oh, it's yeah. this one that deals with, you know, I, I don't know what year this came out. Um, what year this was uh, credited to. Um, 1781. So this is a very early interpretation of uh, old hag syndrome. Uh, if you're familiar with that. Uh, old hag syndrome is, um, it's like sleep paralysis. Uh, and it was depicted in, you know, a long time ago as... You wake up, but you can't move your body, 
because there's like an old hag like sitting on your chest. Mm. And so you're stuck. And so that stuff has always terrified me so much. Um, just the idea of it yeah. uh, has always creeped me out. So to see a visual interpretation of it, I think manifests a lot of like things in me that's like, oh, that's so terrifying. And, and it, it's, you know, there's deep red and there's like a lot of darkness in there. And there is like to the left, there's like a goofy like horse thing. That it can be creepy, you know, if it's, I think part of the sleep paralysis is that you also, like, hallucinate yeah. things, and so, uh, you're stuck hallucinating in these things, so I think that that's probably, like, the hallucination there represented in, in the far left, mm -hmm. with the old hag or whatever, is the little demons sitting on a chest, uh, that's represented by the little demon on a chest, um, but it's just one of those paintings and you know, there's a lot of creepy paintings out there, but I think what happens with paintings, unlike, you know, film and unlike, you know, actual intentional horror is art can sometimes have an unintentional horrific quality to it or terrifying quality to it. Yeah. Um, like, like the picture, like the, the Vigo, the, what is it? Capitian? Carpathian. Carpathian. Uh -huh. If that one was real, it's entirely plausible that somebody drew that, not in an attempt to, like, horrify yeah. or, like, terrify, but to, like, emulate that person. Right. This one by Fuseli feels, like, just straight up, like, I'm, you know that thing that scares the living hell out of you? Yeah. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's why one of them, that's one that really gets me. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Uh, uh, sleep paralysis, but I, I didn't know it had his uh, yeah old his nickname. Yeah, at which if you see the painting, um, it makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and encapsulates it very well. Yeah. I, I think the most terrifying thing about this is the quote unquote horse on the left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is to me more terrifying than the demon sitting on the old hag sitting on the chest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um. Well, the, the piece of art that has always kind of stuck out to me and has always creeped me out a little bit um, is a Francisco de Goya piece, uh, Saturn Devouring His Son. Oh, I think I... I um, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, and I'll just read the, the little snippet from Wikipedia. It's the, it's the traditional interpretation depicting the Greek myth of the Titan Cronus, who, fearing that he would be overthrown by one of his children, ate each one upon their birth. And it's the the painting is rather stark, and it's the image of a man devouring a child. Um, With lots of it, yeah. And uh, I don't know, man. It's a, it's 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 part of a series. Um, I, I I don't know if it's an intentional series or sort of an accidental series by De Goya. He did fourteen black paintings, mm -hmm. um, and they were done just like house wall like the wall like what he lived in like um, which makes it a little creepier too yeah um, but yeah Saturn devouring his son ever since I saw it I think I stumbled upon it when I was in high school for I was maybe doing a project or something and I just it's always just stuck in my mind as like an incredibly like kind of horrifying it's part of it is the the just very strange expression on, on 
on Saturn's face. That's what I was going to say. So it isn't necessarily, at least not for me, it isn't necessarily the the gore aspect of it because we see stuff like this in, in pop culture all the time. Yeah. It's more the the lifeless sort of wide-eyed stare yeah. of, yeah, yeah. of uh, Saturn. Well, it's interesting. So there's an earlier, not an earlier version of Goya's, but there's an earlier Saturn Devouring His Son uh, by Peter Paul Rubens uh, in 1636 uh, that is also incredibly creepy. So here's the... Yeah. Here's the original thing. And uh, it's more real. Yeah, it is. It, it has a, you know, it's Baroque. And it's it, less surreal. Yeah, yeah, it's less surreal. But then also, if you zoom in here, it's just like real, Ooh. real oh, grisly. Wow, I've never yeah. seen that one. And it's, it's the way it's depicted. So for Goya's version, it is very much a giant thing eating, like, yeah, it's a child, but the child, like, it's a, it's a giant titan eating, like, small. It doesn't even look like a child to me so much as it does just small like a body. person, like yeah. a small person. Yeah, yeah. And he's giant. And so it's like messed up and it's like terrifying. But the earlier yeah. Saturn Devouring His Son, it, it has a realistic quality to yeah. it. That it's just like, this actually is like a little baby. Yeah. And he's eating it the only way he can, which is just taking a regular bite of it and just pulling as hard as he can yeah. on the thing's flesh. And yeah. it's so messed up. I'll admit that one might be a little creepier. You can see, uh, you can see the baby's expression. This yeah, one, yeah. to me, uh, I, I'm familiar. I'm more familiar with this one than um, the boys. The boys, yeah. But this one, maybe because it's so realistic, isn't as terrifying to me. That first one, though, like I said, the 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 darkness of it, yeah, uh, and the expression. It's the that dark expression. background too. Like, that, yeah. yeah. But it that is very off-putting. Yeah, yeah. That combination just mm. messes me up every time. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to bring us to the close of our very cheerful <laughs> Halloween-esque discussion. Yeah. Um, definitely let us know. Reach us. Reach out to us and let us know what your favorite creepy stuff is. Um, Write or die blog at gmail.com. You can reach out to us there. Um, we're still looking for people to go out and uh, review us on iTunes also. If you listen to the show through iTunes or you obtain our podcast that way, or really any of your podcatchers, um, wherever you get our show, just if you could leave a, a review, that would be awesome. Um, and we'll be back next week, of course, on schedule, as we always are, mostly. Yeah, not talking about baby flesh. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, those babies. I mean, who knows? Maybe. We don't know what the, the topic will be, so yeah. we'll see you then. Let's not shut it out. <laughs> so, you know, let's keep our options open. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, the, yeah, the idea of this show is uh, throw it on. Uh, it'll be available Halloween day, so throw it on uh, as you're... The, the tradition for me, I don't know about you guys, but the tradition for me growing up was that, like, my parents would order pizza, uh-huh. and then, like, that would be there, there when we got back. So oh, nice. Order a pizza. Oh, from Trick or Treat? Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. from Trick or Treat. Yeah. Uh, order a pizza, throw this on, and uh, let the kids come and get some candy. <laughs> See you guys. Bye. Happy Halloween.